0: You're listening to West Virginia Talk, bringing you the best of West Virginia information. We cover the counties with a fresh approach, helping you to understand the history, places to eat, and things to do. Without further ado, here's your host.
1: Hi, everyone. This is West Virginia Talk. It's episode number four. I'm James. I'm Jerry. And this is going to be Berkeley County this week. And uh, let's just get things started off right now. We have a special guest with us, Berkeley County native and a basketball legend. It's Vicki Bullet. Vicki, welcome in.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: You bet. So instead of talking about your career first, let's talk about your current, uh, you know, your work right now. You're working with the Boys and Girls Club in Martinsburg and apparently some other places as well. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, in May I resigned, uh, leaving my post as a coach at West Virginia Wesleyan, and I knew without a doubt if I was going to return home, the boys and girls, boy, the boys and girls club was the place that I wanted to to assist and the young people that you know, and just in serving all the kids. So I'm here. I'm I work, and we, you know, Jefferson County, Morgan County, and of course Martinsburg. We are the hub of those three clubs. So. I'm here doing all I can do just to serve the young people of my community.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the Boys and Girls Club. What activities does it offer for the kids and how old can they be as young as? Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. We have kindergarten through 12th grade. The teens are the ones that we try to retain, but you know, at a certain age, they think, oh, okay, they're too good for a Boys and Girls Club, but yeah, K through you know 12, we we host these young people and um having the opportunity to introduce academic programs we have activity programs but you know probably 85% of what we do at the club is you know based education um leadership skills you know teaching job you know opportunities interview skills there's all kinds of things that our our program offers our young people and you know so that way not, not everybody wants to go to college, so vocational skills are important. Um, history, whatever there is, and we're fortunate enough to partner with Berkeley County Schools, that gives us an idea of what programs that our kids need because they have work together with us.
1: Okay, so let's uh, let's jump into your career. You played at Martinsburg. You're a Bulldog, recruited by Maryland. Now let me let me ask you this first. This is kind of a loaded question. You're a lefty, correct?
2: I'm I'm right-handed.
1: <laughs> oh, you're right-handed. Okay, never mind. Yes. Okay, so that question, I'm not going to ask it then. <laughs> so l- let's talk about your collegiate coach, Chris Weller. What did mm-hmm. she? What did she tell you that kind of you know cemented it for you that uh, College Park is where you wanted to play?
2: Uh, well, I mean, my my foundation came from my brother. So from there. Coach Weller pretty just much knew she not had a gold mine, but she already knew that my foundation was strong because I had brothers prior to going to Maryland. But just the fact that she was a family person, um, she she there's so many things that she was that she educated me on just my presence, just being you know proud of myself, just being tall. I mean, she she instilled a lot of, of characteristics that I didn't know I have in myself. She instilled confidence you know, as a female athlete, as a, you know, an African American athlete. So she, she touched based on a lot of things that I didn't know about myself. So it created a a rapport of trust. And I think I trusted her to do the right things as far as getting me where I needed to be as a student athlete. Um I hated school to be honest with you. But she talked. you know what, Vicky gotta have courage. If you apply yourself, you can be successful. And those words stuck. So I did exactly what she asked of me and you know, never took days off. So her presence and you know just being that mom away from home really you know put a light under me and wanted to do well for her at the at the University of Maryland.
0: Vicky, this is Jerry. Um, you mentioned briefly there um, about being an athlete as a young African American woman. How did that playing basketball and getting that scholarship? How did that help you in developing? as an African-American woman, and then how did it help or did it help you gain your voice to assist other African-American females?
2: Well, I it, mean, it's essential. I mean, I probably led as far as what my mom did. I mean, she'd raised seven kids and, you know, she was, you know, literally a homemaker. And then you see strong women's do great things. And you want to implement those as you get older. I mean, Vivian Stringer for us was an idol and, you know, she's an African-American woman, but Miss Weller didn't teach us that you had to be of color to do great things, but to empower young women, I think I can bring that always, you know, look what Vicky did. You know, she's, she's tall. She's a female. She's an African-American. I want to make sure that our young people, our young girls, it's okay to be tall. It's okay to be black. It's okay to 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 pursue your dreams. And you know those things and what's going on today's world will will challenge these people and they can't back down from a challenge. You know they have to be aggressive, but empowering. They have to be intelligent, which they are. And you know nothing can bring you down but yourself. So I want to continue to instill that and not just African American women to all women because it's important for us to continue to strive because. Jobs are jobs, regardless of who's in part of it. The leadership will will push everyone forward.
1: Okay, so you played at the University of Maryland. You were so good that they retired your number twenty three. Do you think that you were the best basketball player that ever wore that number?
2: <laughs> no, Michael Jordan was terrible, but I admire him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's well, what I was hoping funny
2: for. About that number, we didn't know it was big at the time. I, I got 23 because I was a freshman in high school and I was on the varsity team and that was the last number that was left. So he said, well, there you go. I didn't get to pick my number. It was just given because it was the last one. So Dennis Fiery, actually, my um, high school coach when I was a freshman, who actually just got inducted to the Hall of Fame at Hedgesville, he said, well, there you go. You got 23. So, you know, before the number was really known to everyone, that's how I got the number, and it's, of course, it's, it's it's a gold mine number because of so many great people have worn that number, and I'm just fortunate enough to have that. But I always tell kids the number doesn't make the individual who has to wear it. I could have had number one, and it probably, and I was able to achieve a lot of things, but it, it was awesome. And I'm, I can't imagine having your number retired at such a great university. And you know, I'm humble to say that I like to look at my number up on that rafter. But most likely, I like to look at the fact that it says bullet.
1: Right. Well, you were the original 23, so we'll give you that.
2: All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you played in the Olympics. You played in Seoul. You played in Barcelona. You played in the FIBA. What what does it feel like to be selected to play for your country? Does it transcend the sport?
2: Oh, definitely. Um, I always tell myself, I don't even think I was supposed to be on that team. I was invited. I was the youngest. I guess the I am I am probably still the youngest player that ever played in the Olympics. I was still in college when I was selected for that team. So, you know, I was just there to get some experience. You know, Coach Waller said the same thing. Well, Vicky, just go do your best. You know, I don't even know if she expected me to make that team. But, you know, my oldest brother said, Don, he said, Vicky, just, just play defense. I said, what about offense? He goes, coaches don't take you out because of your, your poor you know, they take you out because your defense is terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I remember Coach Yao say, well, listen, you're in ACC. All you do is score. So you need to score here, too, to make this team. So I started doing both. And it's, you know, the fact that, you know, out of all of these young ladies trying out for this team, over 300 probably players, you know, they select 12. And, and I was one of them. So the, it, it's really hard to explain just the moment when they call your name. But what what a privilege. What a privilege to – to be a part of the USA team representing your country. And then, you know, at the end, you bring home a gold medal, you know, saluting your flag. So that today, even the Olympics, it brings back a lot of memories. And, and I still have that same type of feeling every time.
1: Well, it's funny that you said that, you know, you're you're proud and, and you're in awe. And I'm in awe. I'm talking to a person who stood <laughs> on that platform and got a gold medal. So... I, I'm 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 super, you know I'm <laughs> oh, super stoked here. So mm-hmm. so earlier you talked about um, you know empowering women. You were part of the foundation of the WNBA. You were selected mm-hmm. by the Charlotte Sting. Talk about mm-hmm. the the introduction of the WNBA. And honestly, you and the rest of the players, how what were your feelings about the league and, it, and what its future held?
2: Well, I mean, and, and in the beginning they had the ABL, which I didn't know anything about because I was in Italy playing. And then just the word started circling around. We saw a lot of the, um, you know, prestigious coaches were coming to our games in Italy. I was like, what's going on? And then I remember playing, you know, the FIFA Cup game, and Renee Brown came up and said they're they're going to have a WNBA. I'm like, well, what is that? You know, they had to explain <laughs> it to us. But um, she said, you know, they're going to have a professional women's team. And, you know, as they recruited, they called. I was still in Italy. You've been selected. I'm like, where am I going? But it was (laughs) amazing. I didn't think that something like this would ever come, you know, come, come through for us. You know, we had to travel eight months overseas to play in a foreign country. But now we get to go home and play in front of our family and friends. It was amazing. It was just, you know, and to be one of the selections was was just, you know, a blessing. It's just a true blessing.
1: And you got paid.
2: <laughs> and you got paid, but not as much as we did overseas. That's why we went overseas. <laughs> yeah. and it, was, it was the fact being home on your soil, you know, and play, and people remember, and that was important. You know, back then, of course, money was fun. I mean, you're playing basketball. You get paid for basketball. That's a good thing. <laughs>
1: right. Have you ever sat down and thought about exactly how many countries you have played basketball in.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I count them all the time. It's funny. No, seriously, I do. Um, people always ask, where you've been, where you've been? And it's, you know, either the hard floor or it's the hotel. But I feel like I've been everywhere. And, you know, through the sport, I don't think I probably would have traveled outside of D.C., to be honest with you. right? I'm um, a homebody but having all this opportunity to travel and see different players and, you know, just living outside of the United States to see the culture, learn the language. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, you know, that going overseas gave you an opportunity, but the the sport itself, I just knew once I graduated from college, I'm like, what's next? What am I going to do? But everybody was going overseas. So that, you know, we weren't ready to to hang up our shoes it was too early for us to retire from the sport so you know if there was a way and then we brought the you know the professional game back home so that that's that's good that's that's great
1: well let me ask you this uh you played in charlotte you played in um washington as the home team you played in europe what was your what was your favorite place to play
2: Well, not New York, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you played in the all-star game at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and it
2: was terrible. And this is why people probably think, oh, well, she's not telling the truth. I I have a stigmatism. And the lighting in the gym was always lighted in the court, but around the facility was always dark. And And I couldn't adjust my vision to actually play. I never played. If you probably look up all the stats, I never played well. At, at the garden. Never, never, never. Because of the lighting distracting. me, it was only light there. So New York was probably the worst. But I always, I mean, all of the facilities, the gym is the gym. I grew up in the, you know, the backyard of a broken basket and the Boys and Girls Club rim. I could play anywhere if you had a rim and a ball. But I enjoyed playing everywhere, whether it's in Brazil, Italy. I was just so eager to get on that court and and play well. There's not one place I didn't enjoy not playing besides New York. I love it. Just love
1: <laughs> Well, I, I watched some of the uh, uh, video of you being introduced into the 1999 All-Star Game at Madison Square Garden. It looked uh-huh. like you almost tripped over the mascot and you did this like spectacular spin oh, move. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, I, was that me? I, I think I ran into him. He came out. I think I ran into it I run into him?
1: <laughs> but you missed him. I
2: don't remember.
1: You did the spin move that Barry Sanders would <laughs> oh, have been proud of.
2: Oh, I probably did. I did a little spin because I think he scared me or whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you were one of the beginnings of the WNBA, current WNBA players. Have they reached out to you to thank you for being a pioneer?
2: Well, you know what? They always say that when they're receiving an award. I mean, I think I did it too. When I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I always, you know, thought about the pioneers that came before me, and I think it's something that you they have to say often because there's always a start, and you have to be grateful, you know. Just like I would say, I'm grateful for what you know Martin Luther King done, you know, for for us. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for him, I don't benefit from you know anything that you know I'm I I'm, I'm benefit from everything that he's done for us, and and basketball is the same. All those young ladies who sacrificed you know, to be a part of a sport who had to wear their skirts or only could play half court. You know, the game started to evolve, and we're grateful for the things that they've done. And I think it should continue to be said. And I think all the players today, you know, as far as Lisa Leslie, they do look back and they think about the people and the young women who played, you know, before them. So I think it's something that, you know, it's just normal to be grateful for.
1: Okay, so, well, let me ask you this before I get into your retirement from the WNBA: Have you, do you have like free range access to College Park? Like everyone knows who you are, or did you ever have an incident kind of like Patrick Ewing did, where (laughs) they didn't recognize him at Georgetown? They didn't recognize.
2: Well, see, that's the thing. See, right now, day and age. there were only people who followed you with, that would know. I, I always, and this is funny that you bring that up. I get a lot of calls from the university. And it's always about, you know, the membership fee, you know, the alumni giving back to the program, which I do. I often try to give back to the program. So you have these young people who call and they say, hello, how are you? This is so-and-so. Just want to let you know that your membership is coming up. And, and then they talk about the women's program. Do you know that they've won, you know, this many ACC tournaments? They've been to the Final <laughs> Four, this and that. And, you know, they've retired numbers. I, and I would say, do you know who you're talking to?
1: <laughs> and you have <laughs> every right like,
2: to. <laughs> and they they, they, just, they just don't know. You know, well, Miss Fuller, this and that's like, okay, do me a favor. And I was like, well, at the time they called us, said, are you in the Coalfield House making this call? Yeah. And they said, well, yeah, because their offices are there. You know, the alumni area is there. I said, I want you to go out in Coalfield House and you look at the jersey that's hanging from the Raptors and it'll say 23. And then tell me what the name that says above the 23. So, you know, this kid's going out there and he's looking at the rest. Ra- he says it's, it's Bullets. Okay, now look at the name that you just called.
1: <laughs> you have and every I, right to give him a hard time.
2: So, and he's, oh, he's like, I am so sorry. I said, well, you got to do your homework before you call and reach out to the alumni. And Absolutely. Said, okay, <laughs> to <them. I> <laughs> to it's so funny. I laugh. But, you you know, they if they're going to do this job, at least, you know, do a little bit of research. It depends on. But it's funny. Yeah. I hope I don't do what Patrick Ewing had to do. I guess he's, I mean, I mean, and that's kind of sad. <laughs> it is. Uh,
1: Patrick Ewing. Yeah. He, they had no idea who he was. Okay. So. Yeah. You retired from the WNBA. I think you still played in Europe afterwards, though.
2: Yes, I did. I went on to play four more years, I think. Mm -hmm.
1: And you played in Italy, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you retired, did you immediately want to just jump right into coaching?
2: No, I mean, after I retired, remember my last game, it was in actually, it was in New York. We lost uh, with Washington. I knew I was going to go back overseas. I had. the, the the timing in my age, you know, the WNBA coming back from an eight month season overseas just took a toll on me physically. Not mentally, because nothing disrupted my mental attitude. I just knew that I at my age I couldn't play, you know, back and back and back. I mean, between six years i probably taken like four weeks off through, you know, in the six years. Wow. But I was definitely back overseas and I played four more years comfortably. I mean, I've gotten calls. Vicky gotta come back. I was like, No, I'm good. Because then I'll come home and rest and then go back overseas. So, yeah, I, I, I knew I wasn't finished playing. So I continued until, of course, physically your body tells you, okay, let's, let's be able to retire and, and walk out of the gym. And hopefully later in life, you will be able to still do some things.
1: <laughs> right. Okay, so when you started coaching, first you coached for the Mystics, right, assistant? Mm-hmm. And then you, yeah. you started coaching for Hagerstown and then Wesleyan. What were the right. challenges for you as a coach that you weren't aware of as a player?
2: Well, the challenge was just the work ethic that the kids didn't have. And it changed so much because if you put yourself, I, I'm just like, okay, do I coach down to my level? I was, you know, at the time I was starting coaching, I could beat all the players. Like you guys, you got to get, their work ethic was probably terrible. Mm. And it was something I was used to. I said, you, you guys, you know, you want to play this game. You say you want to play this game, but you're not dedicated. And that was really hard. And um, I've always talked to my oldest brother about it. I said, well, what do I do? He said, well, Vicky, you got to meet him halfway. You, just, you can't expect the kids to have the mindset that you did as a player at your age. And, you know, and I always say, well, I did this at your age. And, you know, it's just the mentality was different. And it was hard in the beginning, but um, I, I, I got through it. I got through it. And you know, having that mentality, even at Wesleyan, you know, I retired for that reason. I I resigned because I couldn't recruit kids who who wanted to work hard, you know, and have have dreams and goals, you know, not just to play. And you know, how many times if you lose a game, you cry. They didn't cry. They was worried about what they were going to do the next day. Oh, mm-hmm. that just yeah. so uh, yeah. That, that was the that was the challenge as a coach. And um, I love to teach, so that wasn't an issue. But just to try to make basketball passionate for people who don't want it it's 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 it's, it's hard
1: well i'm going to i'm going to give you the statement you tell me if you agree or not i always felt that superior athletes no matter what sport they played in would have challenges as a coach because whether they were born with drive or they were pushed to succeed or they had the the greatest physical traits you take michael jordan for example you can't, mm-hmm. He can't teach someone how to dunk from the foul line. So when you right. have these things naturally, is it hard to try to convey how you played to players who, frankly, weren't as good as you physically?
2: Mm-hmm. See, that's think that's my area that I was good at. Like, I, I like progression. I mean, you, you don't want to teach kids to win. You just teach them to improve. But if they don't have the work ethic behind it, they'll never get better. Like, my therapy as a coach I would come home during the summer and I would work with the little kids. And it's such therapy because you get back to teaching and instructing and demonstrating, you know? So those were the things that I used. I said, okay, guys, repetition, you know, things like that. Mentally, I could get them to understand their weaknesses and strengths. That was the thing, but you know, okay. Teach them counter moves. Okay. Well, I can't go left. Well, you don't have to go left. Okay. But you got to find another way to get to the basket. And you know, I had some really intelligent kids and they figure it out. So I instead of their physical ability. We probably had the worst team at, 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 at Wesleyan, but we would come close to being the best team. And I'm like, well, how did we get that close to team? So I understand, you know, it, it's hard for some people, but I think that was my strength as a coach. I could mentally work with these people to, to give them another way. It's like being optimistic about things. If you can't do it this way. Then find another way to do it. So, I think that was my strength as a coach trying to get them to see that you know they can accomplish just do it a different way.
1: Okay. So you you hung up the coach's whistle, you came back to Berkeley County. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have family back and you're back to Berkeley County now. Do you have any more free time than what you used to have because it sounds like you had no free time.
2: As an athlete?
1: As as anything. <laughs> sounds- oh,
2: well no. I I wasn't, I mean, I I mean, people struggled through the pandemic. I didn't have an issue with it because I'm, I was always an active person and, you know, I'm creative. I do a lot of things that, you know, because people ask me, well, how did you get through the COVID? I'm like, okay, I understand that, you know, there was an issue, but solitude was always good. I don't put pressure on myself to, to achieve. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm always, I don't like to not do anything, put it that way.
1: I, I, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on
2: and on. I just, if I got gas in my car, I'm going. But, you know, I get six hours of sleep a day. I'm happy-go-lucky. I'm, I don't think there's too many downs that I have in my whole career. I'm always just just grateful, just grateful. And, 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 you know, I look at those things. There's people have have lives that I can't help, and I'm just grateful for every day I get to wake up.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. As a West Virginian, I, I'm super happy that you came back home because a lot of West Virginians, when they become successful outside the state, they don't come back, but you did. Yeah. What about, yeah. what about Berkeley County do you love?
2: Well, the fact that I get to learn about Berkeley County, I mean, I've traveled so much and I've been on the outside looking in. And now that you're within the community, you, you really realize what the community do for, for others. And being a part of the boys girls boys and girls club and you know, the rotary and all of the fundraising events, you I'm just like I'm so shocked that these people who who have things are able to be created enough to give to someone else. My dad always said, You can make as much money as you want to and you can have all these sneakers and, you know, name brain things. He goes, When you die they put you in a box and there's nothing else materialistic you take with you. Right. <laughs> and he He's so right. So why not take your legacy and and you share it as much as you can, because that's what you leave behind. I don't want to leave. I mean, they can have the gold medal. They can have the bronze medal. But I want them to remember that my legacy is what my parents gave to me. It's not mine. It's their name I wear. And that's what I want to leave for for, for my, my community, you know, Berkeley County. And that's where my heart is. It's always giving back. And, you know, even though I was on the outside, you know, living a life that I enjoy now. I still have life to live, but I want to give it back to the kids here, you know, to elderly, to anybody who, who needs it. And I want to be that inspiration. I want to be that role model. And, you know, whatever I can do to put a smile on someone's face, you, that's Dickie Bullitt. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I mean, you're you're still young and you do have a legacy already. But one thing that a lot of people can't say is, You have a street named after you in town. Mm
2: -hmm. How did that come about? Well, I think after the Olympics, I think my dad, well, actually, I don't know. The mayor, I wasn't even home when they decided to do that. Uh, My dad called (laughs) us to think, you know, because I was at school after the Olympics. I had to go back to school and, you know, start trading because season was, they're going to change the name of the street. I'm like, what? Are you serious? It was a big (laughs) thing. So uh, I think my dad, they talked to my dad in, in the Chamber of Commerce, the mayor, and then they had a little block party to introduce that. It, it was amazing. I mean, it's the same, you know, the street where I grew up and, you know, it, it's pretty unique to just to think when, you know, my time, the Lord's ready to take me home, that will be there and people will ask, well, who's Vicki Bullet?" So, you know, hopefully it'll be in a history book someday of the accomplishments right. and the reason why. Name of the street, but people were kind of excited that they changed it because no one could pronounce the name of the street it was before.
1: <laughs> oh geez. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> well, I know that the, I knew this is the street you grew up on, but honestly, I don't think the street does your name justice because it's a dead end street. And I
2: know. It's, but we were we were right there. That was our home. <laughs> okay, so you're back if, to.
1: You're, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's the end, but there's an alley. So the alley comes around, and then it goes all the way down on the other end of town. I mean, not town, but up over the hill. Oh, okay. That. Yeah, it's longer than you think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there's
1: an out there. Okay, Yeah, so- there's
2: an out. And then the funny thing about that alley, if you go around past my house to the alley, Fulton Walker grew up on the end of that corner. Really? And then you know that name. He went to Martin. He went to West Virginia. He played football. Played for the the um, oh shoot, the oh the team in Florida. What was it?
1: Which one? Miami, Jacksonville. Yeah. Miami. But he played, for the, Dolphins. Yes, he played
2: Dolphins. For the Dolphins. Yeah, it's a lot of history, not just mine. But Fulton Walker grew up right around the corner from it.
1: I didn't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so when you came back to Martinsburg, number one. Where did you have to go shop? And number two, where did you have to go eat?
2: Um. Oh, I. I mean, I'm not a big eater out, but Applebee's always, I always went to Applebee's. And my shopping, I don't know where I went shopping. I, I wasn't a big shopper. My dad's really frugal, so I was frugal. I hated spending money. <laughs> I think when I always came home, I went to visit family. Gotcha. And try to. You know, look at little cousins and my nieces and nephews that I never got to see and hang out with. And, you know, my mom is a great cook. So supper was always on the table.
0: <laughs> Miss Bullet, mm-hmm. everything that you've accomplished in life is to me just a complete inspiration. And anybody that has followed you or knows you, I'm sure feels exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's- what I want to ask you to do for me. Mm -hmm. Is for the people that don't know you, but maybe they're young kids growing up in the state, not just ours, but all across the nation, even across the Mm -hmm. world. What is some inspiration that you can give, uh, inspirational words that you can give to those young kids that are listening to this podcast, number one? And number two, can you give some inspirational words to the adults that are out there listening to help them, like you do, assist the younger generation in having a better future and a greater opportunity?
2: Okay. that's, that's Yeah. Well, the words for the kids, and, and I always try to, to implement all things that are positive. And I always tell this sort of story uh, about optimism and, you know, always find a different way to be successful. Today's world, we've got to teach our young people about growth mindset, you know, you know, the fixed mindset for these kids are always negative. We've got to build confidence in them. And I think good examples, you know, even not just from people like myself, you know, there's, there's, there's plans that they have to, to want. And I always follow this little quote, you know, um, try, you know, I can try to remember the plan, a plan or oh, no, it's a goal without a goal. Without a plan is just a wish. And, you know, you can wish you had this, wish you had that, but if you don't plan and set your goals, you know, they, you may not reach them. But even if you don't reach them, then you, you create different avenues. There, there's so many kids that are going to be successful in one way, but you have to challenge them. Don't we, we, I think, I'm not a parent myself, but I've, I've been around a lot of parents who, you know, they, they cradle their children. I mean, my parents didn't cradle us, you know, They she pushed us, mom, do this, Vic, do this, Dine, do this, you know. So those parents there for the adults, just listen to your child. Let them develop the way they want. Don't live in the lives of your children. I've, I've been to so many games and there's, there's so many parents in the stands that are living through their child and they only see their child. They got to teach them to be teammates, teach them to be good friends. You know, teach them to be kind because as humble as I am, people, when I came home, they would say, You know what, Vicki, you've done so much and you're still the same. And I would say to myself, Well, if I changed, you wouldn't know who I was. So that's just a little thing that I've always tell people because, you know, when you become successful, people expect you to change, people expect you to dress different. I mean, I had a cousin to tell me, you know, do you need a bodyguard to go to Walmart? And then why are you going to Walmart? I said, well, I'm going to get my groceries if I don't go to Walmart. I'm not rich. I'm going to get a burger or whatever it is. <laughs> right. You know, so I, I got to go shop too. But you're like, well, why Walmart? Well, I'm not shopping at Nevis and Marcus because I can't afford to go there. It's just, <laughs> you know, people expect to change. And, and, you know, my aunt would tell me, she goes, thinking you've traveled all over the world and you're just as humble. And I said, well, I think I have to thank my parents because, you know, I always tell the young people, I I didn't know I was poor until an adult told me I was poor. Mm. You know, I don't you know. She she's poor. I'm like, well, what's that mean? I didn't I didn't know I was poor. You know, I'm just as rich and happy as I can be. So, you know, for all the adults out there, just you know, cheer for your child. You know, and cheer for other people's children. You don't know what they go through. And you know, and, and the words that you say to kids, you know, help them get along. Help them be respectful because. You know, not too many kids are very respectful. They go through a lot, but just listen to them. Listen to what they want because it's their life. You're just there to guide them and protect them and keep them safe. And, you know, and this is from a person that doesn't have kids, but, you know, working at the Boys and Girls Club, when those kids walk through their door, they're mine. <laughs> right.
1: Inspirational words, Miss Vicki. Let me ask you something here, real quick. One last question, and then we'll let you go. We know you're a super busy lady. Do you feel <laughs> that you were the best basketball player to come out of the mountain state ever.
2: Of course. Of course. I'm going <laughs> to say, a, you know, I can't say the best. I'm going to always say I'm one of, because the young lady that went to Tennessee from Parkersburg, um, I'm trying to think of her name. She well, there was one, one from
1: Charleston, Alexis Hornbuckle.
2: Yeah. Alexis was good. Yeah. there's, I mean, there's I think there's, you know, the elite is when you're able to play in the Olympics and the WNBA, but I yeah. don't. Play. I'm just I'm just happy that I was able to represent, you know, West Virginia in, 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 in any kind of way. I'm humble. Yeah, I, I, if you want to say I was the best, I'm going to say yes, I was.
1: Well, you're right <laughs>
0: up there with Jerry West. I'm,
2: I'm the best with that time. Okay, being Jerry West, and Lad.
0: Miss Bullet, I'll say that you're the best, period, just because of everything, not only that you accomplished there, but what you're continuing to do for our state yeah. and for the kids and our communities. And so humble. Well,
2: I- Thank you. Thank you kindly. I'm going to continue.
1: <laughs> All righty. Well, we're going to let you go. We appreciate okay. you so much giving us your time, and your life has been miraculous. It's still, you're not even close to being finished yet, though, and, and I'm sure the best is yet to come.
2: Yes, it is, and I appreciate the time. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Miss Bullitt. Appreciate okay.
2: it. You guys take care. Bye-bye. You bye too. Bye.
1: Once again, that was Vicky Bullitt, Martinsburg native, Olympian, gold medalist, FIBA champ and a one great. of the first WNBA players played Europe and a super humble person. And she's a proud West Virginian.
0: I was going to say, outside of all that, just a great human being.
1: Yep. So uh, we want to get your thoughts and feelings about Miss Bullet or our show in general. So send us an email. It's West Virginia Talk at Yahoo.com. Once again, it's all spelled out West Virginia Talk at Yahoo.com.
0: And this is a little bit different. I know most of y'all were expecting a uh, podcast about the history of the county to start, and then typically we go. But um, due to COVID-19 and taking yes. precautions, uh, we were unable to uh, uh, record last week. So we apologize for that.
1: We'll it get through next a, week.
0: Yeah, it threw us a little bit out of sync, but we're getting back on. So next week, like James just stated— Uh, We'll be releasing the history and a couple other uh, things that we think will be interesting, things that you'll uh, like to know. Um, And you love
1: to do things. So there's plenty of events coming up in Berkeley County uh, through the end of this month and in October. So uh, tune into that to get the latest updates on Berkeley County events. So we're going to sign off. I'm James. I'm Jerry. You've been listening to West Virginia Talk. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about Berkeley County. Thanks.